Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back for Season 3, Episode 5 of the Fixing Fitness with Kelly podcast. Uh, Today's episode was a topic that kind of hit me upside the head. Didn't really see it coming, and at first I didn't really even think it was a topic that would be addressed well on this podcast, but it kind of um, stuck in my craw, so to speak, for a couple of days, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized how applicable it actually was. So today we're going to be getting into a discussion about just the futility of certain efforts um, as portrayed specifically by an art exhibit that has shown up on my social media feeds a couple of times now, which you'll hear more about in the podcast, and then kind of digesting those feelings of futility and flipping the whole thing on its head to figure out what we can do with those feelings when they do arise and the difference between the art exhibit that evokes a lot of emotions, as you'll soon hear, and real life that we have the choice to live. So without further ado, here we go. Season three, episode five. If you're active on TikTok, you may have already heard of this, but it worked its way to me through some recommended posts on my Facebook feed. I first saw this several months ago and it appeared again this past week. I found it very poignant the first time and this time I haven't been able to get it off my mind. The image was of a large robot arm halted over what appears at first glance to be a massive pool of blood. It wasn't blood, of course. It was hydraulic fluid leaked from the center of the robot's exhibit. And the robot itself was a three-year art exhibit commissioned for the Guggenheim Museum. Artists, I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, Sun Yuan and Peng Yu created a robot programmed with 32 different movements that it could perform, including things like scratching an itch or bow and shake, intending to animate the machine. But the robot's primary purpose was to contain a pool of blood-like hydraulic fluid in the center of its exhibit by constantly sweeping the pool back in toward itself. But it's the nature of liquid to spread. So the efforts of the robot to keep the liquid contained in the center of its exhibit were futile. The visual impact was that the robot was bleeding out, trying to staunch the flow, but ultimately was unable to do so. It was programmed to perform this routine over and over again until it died. The piece was called Can't Help Myself, and the exhibit opened in 2016, the robot finally making its last sweep in 2019. In 2021, the exhibit went viral on TikTok, not for the socio-political commentary behind the original idea, but because viewers of the exhibit found themselves profoundly moved by it, even going as far to say they related to the plight of the robot. An article in Digit Magazine analyzed some of the interpretations of the piece, and I'd like to read that for you now. 
TikTok user at 2k.kxoll compares the liveliness of the robots' movements in 2016 and 2019, respectively. The video shows how the robots' once smooth movements grew rusty over time and how the robots' liquid sweeping caused it to leave smudges on the floor, walls, and itself. The eventual encapsulation of the machine in the liquid it was supposed to sweep to the center led to it slowing down enormously. Most commenters find this sad and sympathize with the robot by saying, it looks so tired and unmotivated, and I just want to turn it off to let it rest. Additionally, the commenters relate to the machine as they too are, quote, continuously cleaning up the pieces of themselves as they endlessly fall apart alone while everyone watches them and uses them for entertainment. The comment, I see myself, also shows this relatability and could mean this commenter too has lost their liveliness somewhere along the way and are tired because of the constant, meaningless work they have to do. The robot thus also helps users critically reflect on their own lives. According to another user, the artwork tells the story of humanity's relationship with technology. The robot is just stuck in a loop of nothingness, just like we are, by working ourselves to the bone and being on the internet all the time, the comment says. Another commenter also connects the robot's meaningless endeavor to contain the deep red liquid to human hardships, as, according to them, it's based on how people try to work and help themselves live, but the longer they do it, the more depressing and painful it gets. No matter how hard they try, they can never help themselves. The TikTok user thus points out that, just like the robot, most people only work in order to live and find no meaning in it. The longer we do it, the more depressing it gets. The same counts for the robot. It seemingly gets sadder and sadder during the course of its three-year-long life as it just can't help itself. In the same vein, we humans cannot help ourselves. We are essentially instruments controlled by capitalist organizations that cannot escape the meaningless, perpetual labor that comes with living in a capitalist society. Now, whichever interpretation resonates most with you, it's certainly food for thought. Most of the time, I confess, I don't really get art exhibits, and even here from what I've read, the TikTok interpretations were not at all what the artists originally intended the exhibit to say. But I guess that's the thing about art. It's always open to interpretation, and multiple interpretations are even encouraged. I remember a few years back when I started to feel a sense of futility similar to what is depicted by Can't Help Myself. I described it to a friend at the time like I was in a landslide that kept getting worse. And whereas I used to be able to reach out and grab hold of something to help me plant my feet, orient myself, and get moving again, I'd begun to feel like I was losing that ability. I was getting dragged further and faster, handholds were fewer and farther between, and the feeling of being swept away with nothing I could do about it was making me panicky. And very much like the robot, I felt like no matter how hard I tried to create a schedule, make things more efficient, or get on top of tasks on my ever-growing list, nothing was effective. In fact, the harder I tried, the worse things seemed to get. Now, I've done episodes on this podcast talking about cognitive load, chronic stress, sedentary living, and the illusion of aging. And most of the time, I've come from the perspective that these things are within our control we can find actionable ways to manage our cognitive load, alleviate stress, and get moving. The scientific proof is there to show that while chronological aging is inevitable, biological aging doesn't have to be. In fact, most of the things blamed on aging are actually caused by disuse rather than age itself. 
but can't help myself gave me pause because it made me wonder in a very profound way if all our efforts really are just as futile as the robots. The robot was pre-programmed to tire of its work, dragging through it over and over again until it ultimately gave out. Are we essentially caught up in the same cycle? Are we all bleeding out? When I think about cognitive load, for example, I wonder whether our constant diligence in managing and controlling it is the same as the robot trying to contain the hydraulic fluid. We might be managing it, but why do we have to? What's wrong with the system that we're suffering from cognitive overload so much in the first place? And if the system is doomed to remain the same, do our efforts to manage the mental and emotional strain ever get easier, or do they just take more and more from us until it wears us down? We could say the same about chronic stress regardless of its cause. If you're stressed by a corporate job or by familial duties that society and traditional gender roles have assigned to you, or financial issues caused by cost of living being ever on the rise while pay bans are static, does managing your stress actually make it go away? What changes would be needed to let us all stop sweeping up the leaks? It also requires constant effort and maintenance to avoid a sedentary lifestyle. A statistic in an article published in January of 2022 stated that 86% of Americans have jobs that require long periods of sitting. That's 86% of Americans whose livelihood depends on them sitting for most of their day in order to earn a paycheck. Ironically, their livelihood also depends on them doing the exact opposite of that. They're sacrificing major parts of their health and well-being to keep a roof over their heads. It's a never-ending cycle of doing one thing that you need to counteract with another thing over and over again without relief, and likely even struggling to see a net positive result. And that is the very definition of futility. Looking at things this way, it's no wonder that people like the robot ultimately decide to give up trying to stay fit, give in to the stress, and resign themselves to the fact that cognitive overload is just a way of life. The effort required to keep going, to move toward real change that could alter that reality, is a lot to ask. Now this sounds pretty bleak, and I'll be honest, it made me wonder for a little while whether I'm spinning my wheels over here. Until I realized the somewhat obvious difference between us and the can't-help-myself robot. The difference is that our goals and duties are not pre-programmed. Society might try to program them, but we ultimately get to choose. And we don't have to choose to keep managing ourselves in a way that works for society. Consider cognitive overload. So as a refresher, back in season one when I discussed this topic at length in the context of mental labor and the disproportionate share of it taken on by women, I found a study that provided a working definition of mental labor in the context of unpaid work. Their definition of mental labor included five elements, cognition, management, communal orientation, anticipation, and invisibility. Cognition covers thinking about and remembering information. Management covers managerial aspects of mental labor, including things like planning, organizing, coordinating, instructing, reminding, decision-making, and monitoring. Communal orientation means things that are done for the benefit of others, not just oneself. So this covers when you're thinking about your kids, your partner, your parents, the pets, and anyone else in your household. 
The anticipatory element of mental labor is that it's often future-oriented. So whenever you're presently doing one thing, you're devoting mental labor to what's coming next. And invisibility is included to cover the fact that this is the kind of labor which, as previously mentioned, goes largely unnoticed. So let's imagine all of these things as our hydraulic fluid, and cognitive overload is the constant attempt to keep it all together or swept to the middle of the exhibit. The studies I cited back in season one made it pretty clear that women are the ones pre-programmed to bear the burden of mental labor. There were lots of reasons presented for why this could be, but it's just as obvious that most women wouldn't choose to take all of this on without help. And when you ask why they do, the answer is often that it's because if they don't do it, no one will and things will fall apart. The catch, of course, is that as long as they keep doing it, no one else has to step up. Are things really so dire that if women stopped managing the family calendars, planning holidays, reminding kids, spouses, and coworkers of things they need to do, scheduling appointments for people, and so on, that those things would forever just fall off the radar? Or, and hear me out, would it create space for those spouses and coworkers to say, hey, why isn't this done? Which leaves an opening to ask the obvious question, why is that my job to do for you? Now, that's a more passive approach to getting the point across, and I'm always a fan of direct communication where it's tolerated and can get results. So if you're able to sit down with the people you've been doing all the thinking for and have a conversation about it, sharing your perspective and asking them to take responsibility for themselves, do so. What would have happened if the robot had miraculously become sentient and decided to stop sweeping up the puddle? What if it had spread, run over the edges of the exhibit, and created a mess in the museum? Do you think museum staff would have just left it there for patrons to slip on? Highly unlikely, right? And there's another, perhaps more important difference to address here, and that's the difference between futility and repetition. The sad situation of the can't-help-myself robot is that it was both repetitive and futile. No matter how many times it swept up the puddle, it would always have to do it again with no net gain. But for us, a great deal of what we do is repetitive, but not futile. Because even though it may be the case that we're doing the same thing over and over again, most of the time we are making gains, however small. Every time we practice managing our stress, we can be better at it the next time. And we might even get to the point of enlightenment where we can stop having a stressed reaction to things that historically have sent us through the roof. And if we're fighting back against the effects of being sedentary, there are net gains to be had there as well if we're doing it right. Yes, it's highly repetitive, and wouldn't it be lovely if that weren't so necessary, but the repeated actions themselves are not futile. And as for cognitive load, well, I happen to think that's more of a social problem than an individual one, but while we wait for society to catch up, we can find efficiencies and automations that make it so our efforts at reducing our own mental labor are successful too. So to wrap up, I think the bottom line is to remember to celebrate every little win every movement in the right direction that can help you remember that your efforts aren't being wasted. And when you aren't seeing movement in the right direction anymore, you have choices. 
You are not a pre-programmed robot doomed to keep taking the same useless actions over and over again. And if you've truly reached the point of futility, you can take a step back and decide to do something else. So I highly encourage you to look this up. Um, if you haven't come across it already, I have not seen the virality of it on TikTok. Like I said, it just showed up on my Facebook feed, but I did look up the exhibit. I did look up a YouTube video that the artists had done talking about the idea behind it and you know what their original message was with the exhibit. But even if you just find a still photo of the robot sort of in its final resting place as it reached in 2019, it is very profound. Um, and I would be curious to know what sort of responses you all have, because as I mentioned in the episode that um, art exhibits, all art is open to interpretation, subject to interpretation. Um, obviously here where we've kind of arrived in the topic that, um, or the viewpoint rather, that I was reading about and that I personally experienced um, seems to have sort of taken the world by storm, or at least it was a couple of years ago. So if you get a chance to go look it up, um, definitely leave some comments. Come and find me over on Instagram at kellym.roach. I'd love to keep a conversation going about it over there. And in the meantime, if you haven't been to our members area and checked out the Diamond Mine for all of your home workout needs, go and check that out at members.kellymarieroach.com. We'd love to have you over there as well. And with that, we are halfway through season three. Five more weeks, five more episodes to go. May have some changes coming either in the back half of this season or potentially in season four in terms of scheduling the podcast. So stay tuned for those as well. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. I'll be back with you next time. Bye-bye. <music>